Welcome to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Our focus is the novel coronavirus. I'm Josh Sharfstein, a faculty member at Johns Hopkins and also a former secretary of Maryland's health department. Our goal with this podcast is to bring evidence and experts to help you understand today's news about the novel coronavirus and what it means for tomorrow. If you have questions, you can email them to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, I'm speaking to Dr. Georges Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association. Dr. Benjamin is one of the most experienced leaders in the field of public health. He is an emergency medicine physician who has served as a state and as a city health commissioner, leading responses to a variety of crises and infectious disease threats, including measles and West Nile virus. Our topics covered the critical tasks for public health departments in this crisis, including reaching out and serving communities and populations at the greatest risk for being left behind. Let's listen. Dr. Benjamin, thank you very much for joining me today. Dr. Sharfstein, glad I could be here. So um, you also are the executive director of the American Public Health Association. Um, That is an enormous organization that touches every aspect of the public health field, from state and local health officials to private uh, organizations to the federal government. Um, What is the state of the public health uh, response right now from your vantage point? Well, the public health response, you know, in many ways was struggling, um, you know, to to try to address this. This is a, a new disease. It's rapidly emerging. Um, and obviously, we're like everyone else, we're kind of chasing it. Um, but we understand this. We have experience doing this. And um, people should be comforted by the fact that we've done this before. And when you say we've done this before, um, you're talking about even respiratory uh, diseases that are transmissible, but you're also talking about the kinds of activities that are needed to respond um, broadly to a situation like this. Is that true? That, that's correct. Um, you know, the public health community has to first know and be able to identify when a new disease enters the community. Um, then we need to figure out who's affected by it. And then we need to put in place measures to try to mitigate its impact and you know, reduce the number of people that get sick or who die from this disease. Um, and we've had to do this every time we had a new um, infectious disease of this type. So what are the kinds of things that public health officials have to keep in mind to make sure, particularly with this kind of transmissible disease, that people aren't left behind in the response? You know, public health is very much concerned about everyone's health. Um, and one of the particular areas we have to be concerned about um, are people who are underserved, um, homeless individuals, people who are, are low income, uh, people who are in incarcerated settings, people who live in group home settings, um, people who are at extremes of age, um, very young and very old, because they have different risk factors than healthy young people do. And we have to focus all of our efforts in ways that address all of their needs uh, in many ways. I mean, it we seems almost to like with people. Oh, so I was just going to say that seems almost like an impossible task. How, how do, how do uh, agencies need to go about that? 
Well, yeah, the, the first thing is you have a good plan and um, um, have a plan on how to address it so that everybody knows what their role is. We need to um, have built trust in those communities up front. This is not something where you go in these communities and say, hey, we're here to help you um, for the first time. You have to have been in those communities um, to try to help them for a variety of problems before. Um, you know, the good news is we 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 do this through some of our food programs. We do we've done this with HIV and AIDS. We've done this with sexually transmitted disease. We've done this with some of our our um, programs to reduce teenage pregnancy. So public health has relationships and trust uh, in those communities that need our need our help the most. So what kinds of um areas of distrust or risks here for certain communities around the coronavirus? Well, you know, the, the big thing is, um, you know, people are always worried that um, folks are not there for their best interest and um, or that they're trying something new on them that they've not tried on anybody else before. Um, and so we have to make sure that people understand that um, we are giving them best practice and get them, giving them the best advice. And the way that you do that is you speak clearly to people, you tell them what you know, you tell them what you don't know, um, and you have to be there throughout the whole disease outbreak, and you have to come back after the outbreak is over um, in order to make sure they understand that you're there for the long term. And uh, that includes speaking in their own language sometimes. That includes speaking to them in their own language, absolutely. Because one of the things we know in many of these communities is that uh, some communities have 15, 20 languages um, uh, often smoking, um, sometimes different dialects. And you need to um, have people that can go in and deal with them, not just from a language perspective, but to be culturally competent as well. And what are the um, economic dimensions of, of this challenge? Um, how do you see uh, the coronavirus affecting particularly low-income communities? Well, you know, the first concern, of course, is for people who get to get up and work every day, but don't have paid sick leave. People who, um, if they don't go to work, they don't get paid. And um, they're less likely to go to the doctor um, or to stay home if they're sick. And, of course, one of the things we want people to do, if you have a respiratory condition like this, is not go to work. Well, you know, people may decide to go to work because they have to, because they've got to pay their bills. Um, and that isn't good for infection control. The other thing, of course, is you're uninsured. Um, people who, when they really do get sick, may delay going to the hospital because they, they're concerned about having to pay that bill. Um, and so people who are uninsured or underinsured remain big challenges for us as um, part of these kinds of outbreaks. What do you think communities can do to address those issues or policies can do to address those issues? Well, paid sick leave ought to be a policy. Employers need to need to have policies that, that actually pay workers so that they can stay home if they need to stay home. Uh, secondly, be flexible with schedules so that people can, um, you know, get their kids. Let's, let's say the, the kids um, can't be in school on a particular day or we decide to close schools. Um, they ought to be able to help them with processes to um, be able to take care of their children and still maintain their jobs. Uh, we need to make sure that we have universal coverage. Everyone has to have um, um, the health insurance that they desperately need when they get sick. Uh, and, of course, we have to pay people adequately. We have a, a growing wage gap uh, in this country that we need to address. I mean, in a way, you're saying that some of these 
fundamental challenges to health and social policy don't make the coronavirus job any easier? They don't. Um, dealing with people um, um, requires a social support system that benefits everybody. And um, we need to pay particular attention uh, to the underserved and the uninsured. How um, much do you think uh, that is going to become a focus in the coming days and weeks as this epidemic unfolds? Well, you know, the, the, the initial people that we've had concerns about have been people that have been on cruises or have been overseas, either at work um, or on vacation and other things. Um, those folks, of course, have had the means to do that. So as this outbreak integrates itself and, and you know, penetrates the broader community, um, this is going to become much more of an issue. Uh, well, great. Thank you very much for this uh, quick opportunity to catch up. I know you're very busy on uh, many aspects of this response, as are many of the American Public Health Association members, um, and uh, look forward to uh, keeping in touch. Uh, I thank you. And uh, we're, we're, we're in this to, um, to, to, to make sure that people are better. Thank you for listening to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharpstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamari Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen-McCusker with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.